Turn in your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Now, here's uh, the contest. By the way, we have some books that uh, come out of our bookstore or have been given to us to uh, use. And if we already have them, they said just sell them and make money for the college. We're not making much money for the college selling books. We're not really trying to do that. But these are my three contest books tonight. Prayer, asking and receiving. Do you have, every month, miracles take place because you prayed about things? Everybody ought to study this book. It was a textbook when I was in college back in the 70s. Dr. John R. Rice. And then this book, Simple, Seven Simple Sermons on the Second Coming. I believe we're on the verge of that right now, on the brink of it. And then ladies, this is great. This book is filled with biographies of women in the Bible. About 15 women in the Bible. Now, here's, here's the contest. How many, how many good Bible colleges? For instance, if you go down south, you have, now these schools say they're good Bible colleges. You have uh, Commonwealth. You have Crown. You have Landmark, you have Pensacola, I mean, just one school after another. You have Texas Baptist College, Lone Star Baptist College, on and on and on it goes. You have Heartland Baptist College, on it goes. If you go to the Midwest, we just preached, I just preached and they sang, in a town, Indianapolis, Indiana, has two Bible colleges, Indiana Baptist College and uh, another Bible college right in town. Fundamental Baptist Colleges. It, from Washington, D.C. to the tip of Maine, one out of four Americans live. 90 million Americans. You're right in the middle of that, Philadelphia. You're right in the middle of that. Now, don't say it out loud. How many, how many four-year independent Fundamental Baptist Colleges do you think we have? to train up enough workers to get the gospel to 90 million people, and we're not even talking about the mission field. All right, I'll call on the first three people. How many do you think? Okay, and what, what do you think? Seven? Yes? One? All right. At those that advertise themselves that way, she's right. Three? And one good one online, all right? So you get to pick one of these books out. Ms. Householder, take these back there. When, when we go back, but afterwards, she gets first pick, okay? Free, way to go. Give her a hand. Okay. Notice I didn't have you name them because I've done this before and I have people name them and they name schools I would never recommend <laughs> or schools that were really good 35 years ago before the heretic children took over, or whatever. Um, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. The last two songs that the group sang uh, are important songs. Um, it ended with, turn the tide, Lord, turn the tide. Maybe you believe that there is a political party that's the answer. Uh, I, I have a political party. I'm a United States citizen registered voter. Uh, and I have political preferences. I try to have my political values based.
based on the Word of God because first and foremost, we're Christians. And so we ought to vote Bible, if you know what I mean. But it's going to take God to turn us around. Um, this country was initially great, not because of our natural resources. There are other countries with more natural resources, but initially they had to get our technology to get them out of the ground. This country was great not because of our Constitution. We've learned it takes godly people to make our Constitution work or people just run all over it. This country was initially great not because of our military might. By no means do I favor this fella in any way, shape, or form, but uh, Nazi Germany was armed long before we were, seven years before we even started arming for the Second World War. And they, they were the military might of the world, but we beat them. God was on our side. When our country fought against our country, you say, huh? Yeah, the Civil War, the northern states against the southern states. We still emerged as the greatest country on the face of the earth. Do you know most people, now ABC, NBC, CBS, MSNBC, CNN, do not think so. But do you know most people think the United States of America is the greatest country on the face of the earth? You say, prove it, Brother Miller, I'll prove it. Since the end of the Second World War, since the end of the Second World War, every year, that's since 1946, every year, more people have applied for legal immigration to come to the United States than all the other countries of the world put together. And sometimes people will go from one country to another to another to get to a country that we are more favorable to letting people come into from there. I asked a pastor when I was preaching in Brooklyn, New York, in the first Spanish-speaking Baptist church of Brooklyn, New York, and I said, Pastor Acevedo, uh, how many in New York City, how many uh, Hispanics would you say there are? He said, legal or illegal? <laughs> I said, well, let's start with legal. He said, 1.7 million. 1.7 million. Uh, that's over one-tenth of their population. I said, so one-tenth of the population is Hispanic. He said, no, I know from personal experience, knocking on doors, for every legal Hispanic, there are two illegal Hispanics in New York. I said, so three? He said, more like four million out of nine million people are Hispanics. And that doesn't count the people from all the other countries of the world. So every year there's an election. What's your favorite country in the world? And all over, people vote the United States. And if they can't get here legally, they'll try to get here illegally. Now, I'm not here to preach against that or rail on that or, or, or say anything about that tonight. But God bless the United States of America. And uh, it, it was because of a measure of godliness. The Bible says so. The Bible says righteousness, righteousness exalteth, lifts up a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The Bible says every nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. And do you know on our average Sunday, on our average Sunday, not even one out of five people go to a house of worship anymore. Unless it's Easter, Christmas, but those aren't average Sundays. 
over only 17% of our people are in the house of worship on Sunday now. Any kind of house of worship on Sunday. Folks, what's the Bible say again? Every nation that forgets God shall be turned into hell. But the hope is not registering people to vote for a certain candidate. The hope is that people change in their hearts. How's that happen? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, we see the compassion of Christ. This is not the compassion of a Bible college president like me or the compassion of Pastor Wood. This is not the compassion of a friend of mine who was just in your church recently, Brother David Pascal, missionary to the Jews. This is the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to see, number one, the parameters of his compassion. Notice, if you would please, the extent of his compassion. The realm, there's the key word, of his compassion. For instance, uh, the realm of the effectiveness of these air conditioners are just inside these walls. That's it. If we open up every window pretty soon, there's going to be very little, very little cool air in here and a lot of hot humid air in here. See? Because the cool air is going to go rushing out and try to cool off the hot, humid air outside. Well, what is the realm of Christ's compassion? Look at verse 35 and 36. When Jesus went about, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with them, he was moved with compassion on them. The realm of his compassion is not just to the people in this building tonight. Uh, when I was preaching down south two weeks ago, I was preaching to, or I mean uh, out in the Midwest this weekend, I preached to two congregations of all white people. And I said the realm of Christ's compassion is not just white Anglo-Saxon Americans. <laughs> Notice, it says, when he saw the multitudes... The multitudes of people in all the cities, in all the villages. Christ's compassion is not just to citizens of the United States. Christianity was never intended by our Lord Jesus Christ to be the religion of the Americans. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Jesus died for the multitudes. Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. The next day, Jesus is coming to John the Baptist. John the Baptist quits baptizing. The Holy Ghost tells him to point to Jesus and say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. While you're thinking of that word, you fill in the blanks. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. The world, the Bible says, his blood is the propitiation, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the world. 
The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The realm of his compassion is to every creature. And if you're satisfied that you and a few loved ones are saved, and the rest of the world can just go to hell, well, I would never say such a thing. Well, what do you do when outreach day is planned? Knocking on door time is planned. Do you have gospel tracts to give as you go through the cashier in the store, the cashier checkout, and so forth? Do you care? Or is your life saying, go to hell? I don't care. Because faith, saving faith, only comes by the gospel. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. They have to get the word of God. So the realm of Christ's compassion is to every creature on the face of the earth. I want you to notice number two, the reason for his compassion. But when he saw the multitudes, verse 36, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He explains this two ways. It says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they didn't have affordable health care. No. <laughs> he was moved with compassion on them uh, because they didn't get their stimulus checks. No. He was moved with compassion on them because they were like sheep. They fainted, fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, I was a boy that grew up in town, but I was blessed. My grandfather and uncle owned a dairy farm that milked over 100 head of Holstein twice a day and farmed over 2,000 acres of land. And uh, I learned about animals. Do you know what the dumbest barnyard animal is? Sheep. I mean, you might think chicken. You know, it's a little chicken. I mean, what do we say if somebody doesn't have a full deck? We say, they're a bird brain. <laughs> hey, those chickens can be taught a lot of things. In fact, I have a married daughter. Her chickens teach her things. They teach her when it's time to feed them. <laughs> they let her know. <laughs> she lets them run around the yard because they'll pick the fleas and they'll pick the ticks and eat them. And uh, they'll come up to her deck and be looking in her window. And if she hadn't fed them yet, they'll start pecking the deck sliding door. Peck, 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 peck. They've trained her, you see. Not the other way around. <laughs> and uh, chickens, they can get along. Do you know that pigs, pigs get bad PR in the Bible. Pigs are smart animals. In Europe, they have drug pigs. They have trained pigs because their sense of smell is so tremendous. They have trained pigs in the airport to sniff out the baggage. And you know that curly tail on the pig? When it sniffs drugs, the tail goes boing. No, it doesn't. That part's not true. Everything was true up to that point. <laughs> Everything was true up to that point. Do you know how they learned to do that with pigs? Because in England, the most delicious mushrooms 
called truffles grow underground. If you get anything in a fancy restaurant, like you would take your wife to on your 25th anniversary, you can't afford it before then, and you can't afford it on your 50th. But you take, it to, you take her to a fancy restaurant, you know, $125 a plate meal. And if you see truffles on the menu, you're going to pay $35, $45 for a plate of mushrooms that grow under the ground. You know how they find them? Pigs sniff around and start rooting the ground. They love truffles, and that's where they are. Pigs are smart. And those, those people, truffle uh, uh, hunters out in the woods, they dig them up, and they make a fortune off of just a bucket of truffle mushrooms. Pigs can get along in the open without us. Did you ever hear of a wild boar? Huh? Cattle can make it on the open range without us. Horses can make it on the open range without us, but sheep have to be taken care of. They need led, they need fed, they need protected. Read Psalm 23, that's what, the, what it's about when it's talking about the good shepherd taking care of his sheep. Psalm 23. And sheep without a shepherd, it says here, they do two things in verse 36. They faint, and they're scattered abroad. They have to be led. They're scattered abroad. And when you see people who are addicted to drugs or alcohol or unnatural sex or pornography or living for the almighty dollar. Well, what's wrong with that, Brother Miller? All right, here's the American dream. Buy all, uh, 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 learn all you can in school so you can earn all you can so you can save all you can and buy all you can and retire as early as you can before you kick the can and die and leave it all for somebody else. Ancient Job was smarter than that. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I'll go Go out. I've seen people load up grandma and grandpa's coffin with all kinds of jewelry and pictures. And don't do it, it's against the law. But if you went out 20 years later and dug up that coffin, grandma would look bad. Grandpa would look worse. But all that jewelry would still be there. They didn't take any of it to heaven or hell with them. Sheep without a shepherd are scattered abroad to the wrong things. And then verse 37, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Now, we were in a town. I'll pick Pennsylvania. That way you can't say, well, that's down south. People get saved easy down there. All right, I'll pick Pennsylvania. We were out here in Avondale, Pennsylvania. High dollar homes. Uh, we were in their slummish homes, and they looked pretty good to me, brother. And uh, knocking on doors. Do you know all those people have the same problems we have? That they all have sin problems. They have marriage problems. They have kids who are in trouble at school problems. I met a guy uh, who was uh, home from school. And I said, will you come to the revival? He said, I got to catch up on my schoolwork. I'm suspended and I start back on Thursday. 
And I said, well, you're going to need a break. Take an hour and a half and come to the revival. Well, I'll think about it. And I got to take him all the way through the gospel. He believed it all up here. I said, now, would you like to trust Christ your Savior? He said, no, I really wouldn't. I said, why? He said, uh, well, I'm an agnostic. Just an a, a 11th grader throwing stupid stuff at me that he'd heard. And so uh, the pastor and I went back there, same house the next day. He said, why would you go to the same house? Hey, think, folks, let's think through how we do soul winning. We, I gave him a gospel track. I said, do you promise me that you'll read this track before you go to bed tonight? He said, yeah, I'll do it. I gave him a gospel track. Shouldn't somebody follow up on it sooner rather than later? So the next day, I took the pastor there. The pastor said, hey, what was his name, David? Josh? Josh! You used to come to our church, to our kids' club when you were little. He goes, yeah, I did. And uh, uh, I said, well, pastor, he said he didn't like it. He didn't get much out of it. That's what he told me yesterday. Josh goes, and we witnessed to him, pastor witnessed to him. He still didn't get saved. So I said, come on, pastor, let's get in the car. We drove around the street, found David. We said, David, we want you to call on this guy named Joshua at this house. Go call on him and give him the gospel. Now, visit the house in front of his and his house so you can honestly say, I'm, I'm calling on some houses here rather than say, the pastor and the evangelist sick me on you, you know. So David went and started talking to him, and David talked to him, and David talked to him, and David talked to him. Pastor and I were parked at the end of the street, hid around the corner, except Molly said she could see our car. Finally, I said, Pastor, let's us go and cover some houses and talk to some people while David's talking. I said, this could be a long time. And so we drove by, and David's up there talking to him. And we covered a whole street, drove back by. David's still talking to him, covered another street, and David's done talking. So I said, how'd that call go, David? He said, Josh just prayed and asked Jesus to be his Savior. What are you saying, Brother Miller? I'm saying the harvest is plenteous. And Jesus said this, lift up your eyes, John 4. Look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. We live in the harvest time, folks, when people will get saved. I'm going to prove it to you. How many of you, sometime in your life, somebody showed you out of the Bible that we're all sinners and you're a sinner? And then when sinners die, they go to hell in the lake of fire. But God loved you, and Jesus died for you and was raised from the dead to save your soul. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you ask Jesus to come in your heart and save your soul. That's your testimony. Would you raise your hand? All right. All right. Put your hand down. The harvest is plenteous. There were enough laborers to share the gospel with you one way or the other, directly or indirectly. But do you know, around the world, there are 7 billion people and five billion have never even heard the name of Jesus one time yet. They have no hope of getting saved. For the Bible says there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. And Jesus himself said, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14, 6. And so he said, the harvest is plenteous. There are a lot of Joshes out there. What was the name of the girl you led to Christ last week? Do you remember her name? <laughs> Do you remember who you led to Christ last week, Molly? It was her. Jess. Jess. Amen. Folks, the harvest is plenteous. The labors are few. <clears throat> now, I got to help lead a guy named Brent to Christ. And Dave witnessed to him, and I witnessed to him, and <coughs> excuse me, Pastor Dave Wilson witnessed to him. And I looked up in the revival on Wednesday night, and there's Brent sitting there. <coughs> I said, hey, Brent, is that you? He said, yes. He came forward that night and asked Jesus to be his Savior. Amen. Folks, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So we've seen a reason for his compassion. He was about to die for millions of people who would never hear of him. Wow. I want you to notice, lastly, the responsibility of every Christian. The responsibility of every Christian. Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth republicans. No. That he will send forth Democrats, no. That he will send forth socialists, no. That he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. His harvest. Um, in 1991, I moved to Downingtown, Pennsylvania. Downingtown was a great place to live. It was on the edge of Philadelphia and big city life, and it was on the edge of Mennonite and Amish country. And as we were unloading our truck, a man that was 20-some years old, young man, early 20s, came and said, my name's Matt Howe. I live at that farm at the end of the street and cul-de-sac up there. And he said, we're Mennonites. And uh, uh, we raise 7,000 turkeys a year for Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. And we, we have uh, hundreds of crates of tomatoes that we sell to Campbell Soup Company every year. And he said, uh, I have nine brothers and sisters. <laughs> and if I heard you have a son. If he'd ever like to come up and play on the farm, send him up. Before we got our truck unloaded, my son David was up there playing on the farm with him. One day David came home. He said, hey dad, Mr. Howe said that I'm supposed to be there tomorrow at 5.30 in the morning, Friday morning. I said, what? Are you sure you heard him right? Yep, 5.30. 5.30. They'll fix a big farmer's breakfast, he said. And then he wants us to work in the field. And if I can bring any of my friends down the road, he wants me to bring them. I said, I'm going to check this out, Dave. I called him up. I said, Mr. Howe, he is a big guy, about 6'4". Very polite, though. He always called me Mr. Miller. He said, yes, Mr. Miller. I said, Mr. Howe, my son David said that uh, you want him to work on a farm Friday. That's all right with me. Now, I'm sure it broke all child labor laws, but I'd rather have my kid picking tomatoes than smoking grass. Amen? And so, and getting paid for it on top of it. So, 
Uh, I said, that's all right with me, but I said, is 5.30 right? He said, oh, yes, I need him at 5.30. I said, okay. I said, uh, now, he said that he could bring friends. Oh, I need everybody I can get. I need 25 or 30 kids out here Friday. I said, why? You have nine kids yourself. Well, I have a big, low boy, flatbed truck coming in, semi-truck, and uh, 18-wheeler, and it's going to be loaded with empty crates. We're going to put those crates, space them out, down the tomato rows. And we're going to assign every kid to a row. And they get so much a crate. And he said, when that truck, it's from Campbell's Soup Company, when that truck pulls out on Friday evening, all the tomatoes left in the field will rot there. I won't be able to sell that many tomatoes at our roadside stand. They'll rot in the field. The harvest will rot and all the money I put into it. Now I want you to notice, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. You see, Mr. Howe had a concern about the harvest because he had invested in it. God the Father wants to answer this prayer because he invested in the harvest. Number one, he invested his love. He so loved the world. Number two, he invested his son that he gave his only begotten son. He sacrificed his son. Isaiah 53. It pleased the Lord to bruise him, it said. He punished his son on the cross for my sins and for yours. His sense of justice was satisfied. It's his harvest. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I told my son, I said, now, Dave, I want you to come home at lunch. Oh, they're going to feed us lunch, Dad. I said, I just want to see you're okay. I want to get a report. So I was, happened to be outside, and I see him coming down the, the road from the cul-de-sac with the farm on the other side of the cul-de-sac, and his white T-shirt is red. I thought, oh, man, he got injured. But he got closer and it was orange. I said, David, what happened to you? He said, oh, man, Dad, it was so cool. He said, I was on my hands and knees. We all were crawling through there, picking tomatoes, putting them in the, in the crate. putting them in. When a crate was full, we'd stand up, we'd holler out the number of our row, and we'd start crawling again. Somebody come pick up the crate. They'd write it down for you, so many crates. And we're getting paid by the crate, Dad. And I'm, I'm filling up crates. And just then I heard, hey, David. And I, I stood up and go, what? And splat! A tomato bomb hit me, he said. And I saw David Howe drop down laughing. I said, what'd you do? He said, I, I looked in my crate. I got a great big red juicy tomato. And I jumped up and I said, hey, David! And I said, what happened? He said, I heard him say, I'm not getting up. But his brother, Nathan, gets up and goes, He's not getting up. I said, what happened? He said, splat, I hit him with a tomato bomb. He said, it was so cool. Before you knew it, there were tomato bombs flying all over the field. Guys, teenage girls, just blasted. He said, but we heard a big voice at the top of the hill say, hey! And we looked up, and there was Mr. Howe. Now envision a six-foot-four 300-plus-pound fella 
standing at the top of a hill, he's going to look even bigger. Might look like the Jolly Green Giant. Hey! We'll have none of that. I said, what happened? He said, we had none of that. <laughs> Why didn't he want them bombing each other with tomatoes? It was his harvest. He invested in it. Why didn't he want to leave a bunch in the field to rot? It was his harvest. But folks, we're not talking here about a tomato harvest in verse 38. We're talking about a harvest of souls that Jesus loved and died for. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, the Bible says. And your responsibility and mine is to say, hey, Heavenly Father, Mr. Howe, so to speak, we need help out here in the harvest. There aren't enough of us. Send help. Pray ye. Ye is you, plural. We have a defect in our English language. In formal English, there's one word for you singular and you plural. It's a word you. I could say, I have a truck coming out here, an ice cream truck, at 8.15. You have already had paid for you a root beer float or a frozen ice, water ice. Now, I said you. You say, which one do you mean? You plural, all of you. <laughs> or I could say, you like root beer floats? I got one for you. In fact, I'll tell you where it is. It's over what used to be Franklin Mills Malls, and there's an Arby's there, and it's sitting in the window. It's mine, but I drove off and left it. I got ticked off with them. <laughs> you say, what's that about? I've already asked God to forgive me, so don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> now, folks, listen. You've solved this problem of you singular and you plural in Philadelphia. If you want to say you plural, what do you say? Use guys. Use guys. I, I, I moved here. I lived where they solved it, North Carolina, by saying y'all. I moved here, and people, the first church I preached in was Pastor Mike Del Quadro. I thought, what? This is like English, but what's he speaking? <laughs> He's saying, use guys this, use guys that. Somebody gets baptized, everybody start applauding. Dunk him real good, Mikey, a lady yells out. I thought, well, maybe the pastor's wife can help that lady learn how to behave at church. Dunk him real good, Mikey. Then I learned she was the pastor's wife. That was Tammy Del Quadro. <laughs> you enjoy church, amen? Now, but you guys. So you know how this reads in the Philadelphia translation? Pray you guys, therefore. You know how it reads in the North Carolina? Did you hear her say she's from North Carolina? Pray y'all, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Now, what's the Bible say? Ask and it shall be given unto you. But turn that coin over. You have not because you ask not. People are going to die and go to hell, never hearing one time what you hear him preach all the time, how they could get to heaven. Never hearing it one time in their life. 
if we don't ask for more laborers. But if we'll ask for laborers, God will do something. He'll do what he did in my life. I was a sports writer in Indianapolis, Indiana, sitting on press row in a game between the Boston Celtics and the Indiana Pacers. Market Square Arena, 17,400 people, national anthem. I got my hand on my heart, but I'm looking around thinking, man, I'd like to take hold of that microphone. And I'd like to just, five minutes, I'd tell these people how to get to heaven, 17,400 of them. You say, well, that's a strange thing for a sports writer to be thinking about. Before a ball game, you ought to be thinking about the ball game. You know what I found out years later? People had been praying that I'd be a preacher. One person had prayed 19 years that I'd be a preacher. Another prayed 15 years that I'd be a preacher since I was in her four-year-old boy's Sunday school class. So the Lord Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers into his harvest. You know what will happen when you do? People like Brother Phil would. God will just change his desires. He, he works in a business, but if he had to pick, he'd pay to work in this business. I didn't say because the pay is going to overshadow the other business. And I gave up being a sports writer and sports editor of a daily newspaper. Why? Who cares who won the World Series in 1969 when I was a sports writer? You can't even tell me who won the World Series in 69 unless you Google it. But if you win a soul to Jesus Christ, they'll never perish but have everlasting life. Amen? Let's bow our heads. God, please help us to pray to you, to put on our prayer list, to pray to you that you'll send forth labors into your harvest, that you'll fill our Bible college and the other few good Bible colleges up so that we have to go into building programs to house all our students. Lord, we had to do that back in the 70s. Expand our Bible colleges. Now Bible colleges are closing. Tennessee Temple had... Nearly 4,000 students are closed due to a lack of students. Pillsbury Baptist Bible College had 1,200 students are closed due to a lack of students. Northland Baptist College had over 1,000 students are closed due to a lack of, of, of students. Clearwater Christian College, beautiful college, right on the Gulf of Mexico, literally, had 1,400 students are closed due to a lack of students. And the wrecking ball demolished those beautiful buildings. Oh, God, send forth labors into the harvest. Fill up our Bible colleges so we can train them and then go out like these young people and win people to Jesus so that they'll never perish but have everlasting life. We ask this according to your command. You told us to. And for your cause, the cause of Jesus, in his name we ask it. Before I say amen to this prayer, how many of you would say, Brother Miller, I will add to my prayer list, my daily prayer list, I will add to it that God would send forth labors into the harvest. And he'll fill up your college and the other few good colleges in the Northeast with students to train for his service. I'll add that to my prayer list. 
so that more churches can be started like this one where people get saved instead of go to hell. So the gospel light, great name, can be turned on in neighborhoods all over the northeastern part of the United States. I'm going to add that to my prayer list. If you'd make that vow to God, would you raise your hand? Praise the Lord. Amen. Almost all of you, only, only two or three of you. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask you tonight, tonight, in a minute, don't start yet, and please, Molly, don't start playing yet. When Molly plays an invitation song, all you people, all but two or three did, who raised their hands to come up here on this carpet, get on bended knee. If you're like me, you have trouble getting down and getting up, sit on the front row. Bow your heart if you can't bow the knee. And ask the Lord of the harvest to send more men and women into the ministry who will not only make a vow to do it, but keep their vow. Who won't quit. Moms and dads, come and dedicate your children to a life of living for the Lord. I told you some people have been praying for me for over 20 years. My mother started praying when I was in her womb. Before she knew if she was having a boy or a girl and said, Lord, if you give me a boy, will you let him be a preacher? Do you know how good God is? She has two living boys. They're both preachers. <coughs> Will you please join that unofficial prayer band? We're not going to send out reminders or letters. Put it on the top of your prayer list. When we give you a brochure of our college, write on there, more laborers. And then put it in your Bible. And every morning when you open your Bible to get your orders from your spiritual headquarters, remember to pray. Everybody stand, heads bowed, eyes closed. God, have your way in this invitation. People will go to heaven or hell based on whether we pray and labors go out. For you said, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call on him in whom they have not heard? We need more labors, so they'll hear. The pianist is playing, take my life and let it be. Maybe God's speaking to your heart. Are you doing what you can do in this, sun, in this church? So I don't know what to do. Tell the preacher, preacher, I'm willing to serve in this church. I'm willing to serve. Are you willing to go with the gospel to wherever God would let you go? Are you willing to go to Bible college, get trained and go? <coughs> As an adult man with a career, Pastor Wood came to this part of Philadelphia in obedience to the Lord. He gave his life to the Lord. Will you, are you willing to do that? God said, whom shall I send and who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord, send me. If you're willing to give your life, man or woman, to God for full-time ministry, come tell your pastor so he can have a brief but sincere prayer of dedication with you. Pastor, I think God wants me in the ministry. Come tell your preacher. Let him pray with you. Well, Brother Miller, if we were all preachers, there wouldn't be any preached to. Weren't you listening to me? That's not the problem. The harvest is plenteous and the labors are few. 
I'm so glad. Almost, not all, but almost the whole congregation came and prayed. God sent forth labors into the harvest. Wonderful. Everybody, uh, there's people still praying. And everybody was, I know, was moved by that message and the need for laborers. We know the need. We live in a city. We see the need. We're reminded of the need all around us. And if everyone in here led somebody else to Christ, can, or, can we reach the whole world? Yeah. It's one soul at a time. One soul at a time, amen? You don't think one soul uh, will have an impact. It can. Because that one soul will lead another, amen? If everyone in here could say, I've brought at least one person to Christ in my life. I led them to Christ. I can say that. You ought to be able to say that. How many people have you led to Christ? That ought to be your goal. Not 10 or 100, just one. Amen? Start out with one. Amen. Uh, in my life, I've led hundreds, personally, hundreds to Christ out on the streets, and, and uh, there's hundreds of people around us, amen? But if you could say, I can, I can at least lead one. Amen. I can lead my neighbor or uh, the neighbor's kid, amen? Just lead one person amen. to Christ, amen? amen. That would be your goal. Uh, please stay and join the fellowship after church downstairs. I uh, thank the Lord for Brother Lou and uh, everybody else, of course, uh, the Moscows, amen? Uh, Brother Paul. Anybody else bring any food or anything? Um, I know everybody puts their hand in the plow. I don't ever want to leave anybody out. Uh, we have a beautiful church family, I'll tell you that. And uh, we all feel part of the family of God, and especially here at Gospel Light. Uh, but uh, the uh, Atlantic Coast are going to be staying and eating with us. Come on downstairs and join us. Um, thank the Lord for, is that Mike in the back, Mike? John, that's right. John, nice to uh, have you out, amen, on a special Wednesday. Uh, is your arm okay? Looks, looks a little hurting. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll pray for that. Uh, so uh, let's close in prayer. And uh, if you can, join us downstairs. And uh, the, Brother Miller and the, his uh, students have some stuff to give out to us. Uh, Lord, thank you, Father, for, uh, Lord, that message reminding us the need Father, there is a need, there is a cause, uh, Lord, uh, because we got saved. It doesn't stop there. The Lord has called us, he's given us the Holy Spirit of God uh, and to be witnesses. Uh, to we, he gave us power, uh, the Holy Spirit filled us, Lord, uh, that we may be witnesses. And I pray, Father, we would be a witness, not with just our life and testimony, but with our mouth. Uh, how shall they hear without a preacher? Uh, they need to hear the gospel uh, preached unto them, Lord. And I pray that you'll give us the ability and boldness to do that. Father, we do pray for uh, John, Lord, his arm. I pray you be with him and that he'll properly be with our, all of our families, our loved ones. I uh, pray, Lord, that you'll bless this church continually. And, Lord, we'll take what we heard tonight to fire us up uh, to get and see souls saved. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that enables us to do that. In Jesus' name, also, Lord, I pray you bless the food. 
uh, and all those who uh, prepared it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you downstairs.